Real leaders leave a legacy. They capture the hearts and minds of their teams. Their origin story puts the safety and well-being of their people first. Great companies ubiquitously have safe yet productive operations. For those companies, safety is an investment, not a cost for the C-suite. It's a real topic of daily focus. This is The Safety Guru with your host, Eric McCroskey, a globally recognized ops and safety guru, public speaker, and author. Are you ready to leave a safety legacy? Your legacy success story begins now. Hi, and welcome to The Safety Guru. My name is Eric McCroskey, and today I'm very happy to have Bryce Griffler with me. Uh, Bryce is a seasoned health and safety uh, a leader who's worked across multiple different industries, spoken at many different conferences, and has some very interesting themes he's going to share with us today around uh, involving labor, increasing the, the diversity of, employ- of, of opinions, uh, and uh, increasing diversity, inclusion, and the, the link to safety. So, Bryce, welcome to the show. I, I'd like to have you maybe start out by sharing a little bit about how you got into safety and, and a little bit about your passion around it. Sure, sure. Thanks. Um, thanks for having me, Eric. So um, I, I very first started pursuing a formal education, actually in engineering, uh, before right. working for a, a government defense contractor. I was in contracts and systems design and several uh, engineering functions. Uh, and, and I'm glad I, I have that background. Uh, after several years in engineering, I began to transition into what's called product safety, uh, which which tied very nicely into my formal training in human factors engineering. But I later came to find out that's what really prepared me to be the the type of safety professional that I am today is this foundation in in mm. prevention through design, uh, which is is uh, very much at the forefront of what industrial uh, health and safety engineers or, or health and safety professionals are looking at today. Uh, but I I had the privilege to have that that foundation earlier, uh, and um, so it, it was just happenstance. I was actually looking to leave my company when a, a position opened up in industrial environmental health and safety. I had no formal training, knew nothing about safety regulations. I didn't hold an OSHA 10 hour card. Uh, <laughs> I, I ended up being a, a great fit, um, mostly just, just because of my, um, engagement, my people skills. Uh, and right. I had always admired what emergency responders, uh, did the equipment they used, the processes they used. It was, it was like choreography to me. Uh, and, and finding ways to plan for things that can't be planned for, um, to the fullest extent. I think that's what attracted me most to, to giving this whole safety, uh, thing a shot mm. before I, I jumped over to the dark side. So that's kind of <laughs> why I, I do think a lot of EHS professionals kind of fall into it in a very unique way. Um, I, I would say if you look at the majority of EHS professionals, uh, a majority of them do not start at the age of nine thinking, you know, one day I'm going to grow up and, and be a safety <laughs> manager or a safety auditor or something like that. So, uh, you know, like others have that unique story and, and I'm glad I, uh, took the journey that I did to, to get here. That, that's phenomenal. And, and I think one of the pieces that really struck me from a, from a prior conversation and, uh, and and you touched on it is is around the people skills, but it's it's this element of the criticality of involving labor at the table, um, and, and how do you make that happen? And and it, this is something I think is so critical. I, I've seen it time and time again in terms of when you bring labor to the table, uh, great things can happen because this is the best place to collaborate. So can you share a little bit about uh, some of your experience around it? 
and, and some ideas around how do you make that happen in, in organizations? Sure. And, you know, I don't really call myself a, a, a safety person. Uh, I, I really define myself as a people person. And, and I think that's really important. And you'll, you'll see why as we continue to dive into this. Um, I, I think one of the things, the concepts that really captures this uh, is, is that I can, I can send you to a training class on NFPA. I can, right. you can go get your OSHA 30-hour card. Uh, those are things that we can teach you, and, and that's great, and it's critical knowledge to have. What I can't simply send you uh, to, to a training on is, is how to engage the right people, how to go out of your way to find people who are going to help your organization get better. Uh, I can't send you to a webinar uh, on active listening, and, and right. you are immediately good at, at <laughs> those types of skills. and and the the skill of of stepping outside your comfort zone to find different opinions and people with different backgrounds and values from you uh, and and so you're right I think one of the biggest pieces here then is uh, is engaging you know the labor representative the operator so when we talk mm -hmm. about people I, I kind of see it's, it's, it's two main categories of people that we in industry have to get better at bringing to the table uh, the first one is is that worker, the labor representative, the operator, mm -hmm. uh, and and I think we do a good job about talking about this. Um, we just don't always put our money where our mouth is. Uh, so maybe it's a, a safety infraction, an investigation, or or maybe it's it's contract negotiations for a collective bargaining uh, contract. Um, mm -hmm. But unfortunately, what what's too often tempting is is in order to move things along quickly. We, We'll just call safety, get safety's blessing, uh, or, or yeah. that one guy who, who used to be, a, he, he worked in OSHA, he's, he's read the OSHA book a lot, uh, call him and the plant manager, let's get out of process, let's fix it and move on. Mm -hmm. and, and that's fast, and some in some ways efficient, but without the person on the floor who does the task day to day, you're missing a huge piece of information, and they may not willingly come to you to offer that information. You really have to go out of your way to make sure they're there. Um, if you go to, if, if you've, uh, let's say if you, if you go to your manufacturing floor and you ask the supervisor in that area, where, where's our next injury going to happen? Mm -hmm. You probably won't get a, a solid answer. Um, maybe you'll get the, oh, oh, we're not, we're zero injuries here today. But if you yep. earn the trust of your workforce and you approach a worker, again, you have to have that trust with them. You approach them and mm -hmm. you ask them where the next injury is going to happen. They're going to be pretty close to being spot on because yep. they, they know, they understand the task. They know where that, those risks are uh, and think differently than you do. Just because they did not go to an OSHA 30 hour or sit in on that one ANSI webinar does not mean they don't understand the hazards mm -hmm. associated with their task or their process. Right. So who, what an amazing person to make sure you're bringing into that process for an investigation or something like that. I, th I think that's, that's a phenomenal point. There's, there's a guest that, that I had on, on the show, um, Josh, Dr. Josh Williams, and, and one of the stories he shared was uh, in one organization, he had asked everybody, uh, where is the next gonna, injury going to happen? And he put it, put it on this cue card. And he said 70% of people had the exact same answer and they knew we need to go fix this theme, which had to do with scaffolding and, and there was a certain process that, that wasn't adequate. So I, I love your point about connecting 
understanding, hearing from people, uh, but agree with your point around building trust. Absolutely, and and um, you get strange looks sometimes. Um, the the uh, when, when you ask about where the next injury is going to happen, sometimes the worker will tell you they won't. Uh, and and so again, this is where it ties back into being more of a people person, which so many EHS professionals are. And changing the question to something maybe more like, okay, uh, tell you what, do you have any kids? Do you have any grandkids? Oh, sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. so we'll talk with them a, a little bit about them. You know, you know, if uh, if we were to hire your grandson as a welder here today, what's the first thing you would tell him to make sure he does or does not do when he steps onto this floor? And all of a sudden, the conversation changes. And, right. and again, uh, you know, so maybe the words, the uh, words like hazard and risk, don't mean much to them, but when you when you make it personal and they know their job inside and out, that is just a wealth of knowledge uh, and information that we might not be capturing when we're trying to improve our processes. I completely agree. And I love the way you position that because that, that's a really easy way to relate to people. Uh, and people typically have an answer to that, that, that question. Uh, the, the scary one is sometimes when I've asked leaders that same question saying, if you brought your, your loved one um, to work, what's the first thing you would tell them? Uh, about working here, and and then I say, so so do you ask? Do you say the same to your team members? And then they they have this puzzle look. And then I get scared. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And so maybe challenge those leaders as they walk around. Maybe they follow you as the as the safety professional. Um, uh, and if you are a leader yourself, follow around your safety professional and maybe uh, try asking some of those questions. Uh, challenge your uh, your senior leaders to ask some of those questions. Have them observe you. Mm -hmm. They all of a sudden we'll, we'll have more questions uh, that they'd like to ask. And that's great. I, I like to see that. And, and of course, the follow-up after that is key. Great, great, great point. Uh, and a lot of what you're sharing is really about getting diversity of opinions uh, and getting more perspectives. Uh, can you share a little bit about that? Because I think that's, that's a lot of the richness about the conversations we've had in terms of getting more perspectives at the table. And, and too often, we tend to be in isolation. I, I see leaders in, in, in safety or in operations running, trying to run this from their office, but it's really about getting perspectives. Can, can you share some thoughts around it and some of the, the successes you've had around it? Sure. You know, that, that D word, diversity, can be <laughs> just frightening. Uh, it, it's it, um, it's a sometimes a loaded word, and it, it does certainly doesn't have to be. And, and so, Eric, we talked about kind of that first category, that first group of people, and that is the labor representative, the worker, the operator. And, and again, on paper, we're very good at making sure we involve uh, the worker and participate, have them participate in, in assessments. So, uh, Eric, we've, and we've, we've talked about this before, um, but the other kind of overall category of, of, of people that I see is, is absolutely critical that we bring to this proverbial table are everyone but the usual suspects. Yes. Uh, the, the usual suspects may be uh, the person who went to the same school, we have the same alma mater, maybe <laughs> we worked with them for 15 years, uh, we, we worked with them at a previous company, or they've been in this tire industry for 35 years. Um, maybe someone who grew up down the street from you, the, those folks are, are what I define as the usual suspects, and yeah. they are, don't get me wrong, they are absolutely critical. Their opinion and what they bring to the table is invaluable. Uh, and there's another mm -hmm. piece to that. 
So when we bring the usual suspects, we bring those people, we bring the safety manager, the plant manager, and the operator, that, that's um, a start. But where do we proactively step outside our comfort zone and seek those operators, those analysts, those employees who have opinions and backgrounds and values and cultures that differ from our own? Right. And it's not comfortable. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, I, I talked about the, the big bad D word, diversity, which, which uh, is a loaded term. Um, it, it does not at all trivialize or diminish the people who are like us uh, or, mm -hmm. or you. Um, it's just that the solutions that we get when you bring together a diverse team are simply astonishing. Um, Absolutely. The cost savings you see, the reliability, um, mm -hmm. and and of course the engagement that you get from your greater workforce is a hundred percent worth that little bit of discomfort. And it's okay to admit that it's uncomfortable, uh, but yep. because it is right, it, it is human nature that we 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 flock to to people who are similar to us um, yep. because diversity is not just how we look; it's not just gender or race. Uh, there's mm -hmm. More, you know, diversity of thought, culture, background. Um, so when we bring those right people to the table, mm -hmm. I, I contend you kind of see two two overall high level benefits. One is uh, reduced risk, and the reduced sure. risk is because these th this team, this diverse team, uh, is able to focus higher on the hierarchy of controls. We're able to do better at at coming up with engineering control substitution and and even eliminating that risk. Uh, because we have that innovative team that's thinking outside the box. Mm -hmm. Other the overall other overall high level benefit there is is a stronger bottom line, and and that's probably a conversation for an entirely different podcast. But we have plenty of of data and anecdotes to to show to demonstrate that a strong safety culture and strong safety performance uh, right. leads to higher profits and more revenue and, and better. Hundred percent. Right. Yep. Um, and so uh, finding those people, going out of your way to finding the people who are, who are either different from you or it doesn't have mm -hmm. to be about you, different from the people that we normally bring to the table is right. going to produce those solutions. So maybe we never thought about calling that brand new electrician that we just hired to the table mm -hmm. for this investigation. Maybe it seems silly to request that a finance analyst join one right. of our corrective action tiger team meetings but you don't know what they may have come from you don't know that maybe one of them um actually was an apprentice in a, a shop uh, one had a father who was an electrician for 30 years mm -hmm. uh, one developed and built an entire dashboard infrastructure for his last fortune 500 company what amazing untapped talent are we not bringing to the table I, I love I love your comment on this and and a, a, a couple of things that come to mind. Well, one is is really when you look at the the most creative firm probably uh, in in the world, which is IDEO, that's come up with um, the mouse, that's come up with a lot of key concepts. One of the things that's that's really interesting when you go behind the scenes is they're bringing people that have nothing in common to find solutions to problems. They have they'll bring a doctor, a psychologist. 
a, a PhD in neurophysics, uh, and people from all over the world put them together and say, solve this problem for me, which is essentially kind of where you're doing. And, and they've come up with incredibly creative ideas because everybody's looking at things from a, from a different vantage point. Uh, my, my biggest frustration is, and actually I was talking to somebody on that exact topic yesterday, is I, I see so many leaders talk about diversity, but I see so little in terms of real action and real results in terms of how you make that happen. A uh, few people talking about it in the safety space, which is I think one of, one of the areas that really um, attracted me to having this conversation is, is I, I, I think it's an under tapped topic in the, safety, in the safety world, really looking at things from a broader perspective. Can you share some ideas as to how you've been able to operationalize that, how you've been able to bring more diversity to the table in, in real tangible ways to, to improve safety? Sure. Uh, you know, diversity is, is one thing, and, and we do talk about it a lot, you're right. Uh, and um, so kind of the next piece to that is the inclusion piece. Diversity and inclusion mm -hmm. are, are two different terms. And uh, the way I like to describe it, you'll hear others describe it in this way as well, uh, is, is diversity is going um, to the homecoming dance, whereas <laughs> inclusion is being invited to go right. to the homecoming dance. So uh, if I go into a boardroom and I see people uh, all with different tenures with the company, all with different backgrounds, maybe different genders and different races, that's lovely. Um, but if it's the three people who have worked at the company for 30 years and they all are from the same area and those are the ones at the table and those are the ones talking, then yep. you don't really get to take credit <laughs> for having a diverse team. Um, right. And so, you know, step, step one is, is you, you talk about leaders talking about it, certainly want to make sure you have their buy-in. Um, yep. Plenty of, of data. Um, Catalyst has done a ton and, and shares a ton of studies um, uh, around diversity, inclusion, and productivity. Um, a lot about having a diverse board uh, and what that means mm -hmm. for, for revenue. Um, yep. One thing that they shared uh, when companies establish inclusive business cultures and policies, they're more likely to report a over a 59% increase in creativity, innovation, and openness, and a 38% uh, better assessment of consumer interest and demand. Yeah. So, wow, talk about getting senior leadership buy-in as to why diversity is important, and, and then using that, harnessing that to leverage an improvement in safety, which really has that public-facing um, you know, optics behind it uh, is is critical. So, so once you have that leadership buy-in, there's a couple of ways that we can we can make sure that we're doing uh, doing right. Yep. So if I'm interviewing, if I'm interviewing for a new safety specialist, um, or maybe uh, as a as an EHS professional, I'm asked to sit in on an interview for a new plant manager or an operations mm -hmm. manager. Um, there's a great time to make sure that we are really leveraging um, a diverse talent pool. Um, so when, sure. you're, when you're interviewing, when you're reviewing a resume, um, are you um, subconsciously kind of leaning towards the person who has the same alma mater or the person who comes from the same industry as you? Um, mm -hmm. they, th th we do that. Again, it's, it's very, very natural that we do it. Um, then during the interview process, are we uh, making some judgment calls about perhaps how they're dressed? 
maybe yep. their background, uh, the, the physical background, right, in these Zoom calls? Are we, are we passing some judgments there? Mm -hmm. uh, or are we actually doing our very best to compare apples to apples, asking similar questions where we can, right. especially behavioral questions, and then seeing if we can find the person that maybe has never worked in our industry before, but they sound like a great people person. They sound like they're extremely knowledgeable and have great critical thinking skills and are mm -hmm. flexible and can think on their feet. And so definitely step that hiring process is an excellent opportunity to increase diversity and inclusion within safety. Um, you know, if you, if you hire that safety specialist who has only ever focused on OSHA regulations, and that's all the certifications you see on there. Well, maybe maybe you want to kind of broaden our search a little bit. I think right. the interview process is an excellent opportunity for sure. And I think uh, the the element I would add is also really reflecting on are there unintended, and you've touched on it, but are there unintended biases that are in this election process, right? So th there was this this famous study that was done um, in in a, in a symphony where. Um, they they were always getting uh, men uh, through their selection process, and then they put a screen. You could only listen to the music, and suddenly that shifted dramatically in terms of their hiring practices and the diversity that came in. And so, so are there some unintended consequences even in some of the screening questions that we're asking, um, or like you talked about in terms of your prior experience that that maybe limits limits how much how much diversity you're getting at the table. Absolutely. No, you are 100% you are right. Uh, some organizations have taken to removing names from resumes uh, mm -hmm. and uh, because we do pass judgment on that. And then I have seen organizations as well uh, who require a diverse interview panel. Uh, that is, yeah. I want a global grade nine, a global grade 11. I would like a female. I would like a male. And I would like uh, somebody who is a director in a completely different function. Um, mm -hmm. And that definitely helps. I certainly, when I'm interviewing, um, I request somebody from HR, I request somebody from inside my function, somebody from outside my function, just whatever I can do to try and squash that bias because it happens. You're 100% right, Eric. And it's, it's not something, it is not something we have to feel guilty about. It is a natural reaction. We're just trying to uh, acknowledge that. Uh, wherever we can acknowledge that bias, which is going to be there. We all have that unconscious bias uh, and and kind of circumvent it or overcome it to make sure we're getting uh, that top candidate. Um, so I think the hiring process, whether it's for safety professionals or for operations professionals, is an excellent opportunity to to seek those uh, those individuals who will bring that diverse perspective um, to, and, and we all have a diverse perspective, right? That's the, the concept mm -hmm. behind diversity. I think the other hotspot uh, that we can look at mm -hmm. to make sure that we're increasing diversity inclusion within safety is just pause and, and, and take a moment and look around during your investigations, um, right. during your uh, risk assessments, during your business reviews, who who's physically at the table, or perhaps prior to, to COVID, um, mm -hmm. who's sitting against the wall? Who maybe had the opportunity to speak, but elected not to? Um, yep. you, you would be shocked uh, at, at the number of people who have some 
outrageously beneficial <laughs> and constructive <laughs> things to share who, for one reason or another, do not. Um, and right. so th there's two anecdotes that, that come to mind. The first one is uh, at a previous organization, we made it a point when we're developing corrective actions uh, to, to bring facilities engineering in early on. Don't develop the corrective mm. action, then go to facilities engineering. Bring them in early on and, and help them. Uh, help them help us. And one particular individual from an entirely different industry uh, brought forward a, a completely different approach, whereas we were looking at, we, I, I will admit, we were looking purely at administrative controls. Mm -hmm. What can we do to change the process and we have to hold employees accountable? What can we do? And right. we finally spoke up and said, you know, there's a there's technology that does this. <laughs> and and we all just kind of looked at each other. He said, the manufacturer makes it like, holy cow. Yeah. How, how could we miss something like that? We have combined years experience in the room of, mm -hmm. you know, who knows how much. Right. And, and here this new guy has been here for under a year. It's like, you know, that's, we could we could solve this problem. <laughs> And and so that certainly confirmed that uh, you know that our pro our approach was was sound um, in bringing in you know where you whereas you wouldn't think to necessarily bring in a facilities engineering um, you know, resource that early into your corrective action development but wow uh, so was was eternally grateful for that the the other and perhaps more recent and relevant uh, one is around COVID. And we mm -hmm. all had to be extremely innovative um, as, as this pandemic transpired. Uh, and so one particular individual, uh, he's, he's actually the operations director. We're sitting here just coming up with these outrageously complex solutions. Right. And he's a quiet guy. Uh, you know he's <laughs> listening. You know, he doesn't have uh -huh. his phone. He doesn't have his computer open. You know he's listening, but he's quiet. And so we'll have this back and forth and we have HR in the room and we have the site lead. Well, what about this? And, and, and how about this distribution? How do we, how do we get the distribution of, of masks with the different shit? And finally, mm -hmm. he said, well, why, why can't we just use this and the, and the kiosk? And, and we all just kind of look at each other. And it was this <laughs> moment of how did we miss such a simple solution? How, right. How, and maybe we're, we're all tired. We're all tired. Mm -hmm. But how, oh my gosh! And I tell you what, this particular this director, time and time again, just kind of waits for that small lull in your conversation, or <laughs> he just drops a bombshell, and you just look around like, wow. And so I I, <laughs> I will tell you that is the kind of person um, when you talk about increasing diversity and inclusion. I every opportunity I have, he's one of the first people I call. To, to get to join my tiger team to join an investigation because I know almost every time he will bring a different perspective to the table. Love it, and, and I think you've shared such a critical message. And, and unfortunately, we don't hear this enough. Um, but really tangible kind of ideas and perspectives. It's really about getting more perspectives, more eyes, more lenses. Um, at the table and, and, and making people feel welcome included, both in terms of uh, who you're bringing on your team, but also who you're bringing in to, 
to solve different problems. I, I think this is such a critical component. And as I shared before, my, my frustration is the amount of talk and the lack of action uh, and tangible results in it. And, and it sounds like um, you've, you've, you've driven the action, you've driven and you've seen the results from it, which I think is phenomenal. And I, I can only implore others to, to, to do the same, to experience, because I, I would agree with you that is so critical and, and to get the last layer of improvement. So, so thank you so much uh, for coming to, to share your ideas, your insights, and, and some of the results you've had, frankly, by, by bringing that diversity, that inclusion to your teams. A any closing parting thoughts you'd like to, to share, Bryce? Yeah, Eric, you know, this, this is a lot. Uh, again, there, there's so much data out there. Um, it starts with just these small steps. It starts with looking around the room. It starts with when you go to kick off an investigation, you look around those who are gathered around the incident location just to make sure it's those small things. This is not going to change overnight. Uh, but mm -hmm. the more you demonstrate it, the more others around you will emulate it. And it's just those small things that end up kind of snowballing and making a huge, huge difference. Yeah. I, I would agree. Um, so thank you so much for, for sharing your thoughts, Bryce, on this and wishing you continued success in, uh, in the impact you're having around safety, but also in sharing this message, um, which is so critical. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Eric. Like what we do? Share this on your socials and tell everyone. Thank you for listening to the Safety Guru on C-Suite Radio. Leave a legacy. Distinguish yourself from the pack. Grow your success. Capture the hearts and minds of your teams. Fuel your future. Come back in two weeks for the next episode or listen to our sister show with the Ops Guru, Eric McCroskey.